Hi, everybody. This is Josh McKinney, and I just want to welcome you to episode 34 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. Now, today's episode, I have something new, something fun. As always, I have an interview with my friend, Jamie Kilstein. Now, if you don't know who Jamie is, you may recognize him if you went to our YouTube channel. Yes, we have a YouTube channel now. And you watched the video of this interview, you would say, hey, I know that guy. He is the guy from all those funny Instagram videos on jujitsu that I see all the time. Or he is that guy I saw on Conan once, or once I saw him on the Joe Rogan Experience. I think he was on the Joe Rogan Experience a few times, but now he's on a much less relevant media platform. He is on the I Suck Jiu-Jitsu show. Now, Jamie is a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He is a stand-up comic and a podcaster. He runs two very good podcasts. One is the Jamie Kilstein Show, and the other is Rear Naked Radio. Now, on Rear Naked Radio, I mention while he is on the show that it is my personal favorite jujitsu-related podcast. And yes, that is including mine. But don't worry, we're getting better. One day, this show will be good enough for me to say it's my favorite. Just not yet. But anyway, Jamie and I get into a lot of different stuff on this episode. And uh, really, we just talk a lot about life. I think the pandemic had just kind of started when we were recording this episode. And there was just a lot of trying to wade our way through it. Now, just a little disclaimer. Jamie has a bit of a potty mouth. I'm going to have to talk to him about it soon. But if you listen with your kids, this may not be one of those episodes that you enjoy listening to with your kids. It may be uncomfortable for you. So if you are one of those people, don't listen to this episode. Just go back and listen to one of my many, many interviews. I recommend maybe my most recent one, second to most recent one. Oh my gosh, third to most recent one. I post so many podcasts with Kieran Gracie, which is a really, really good episode. I think you guys, if you haven't listened, would enjoy it. But we're not talking about Kieran. We are talking about his third cousin. They're not actually third cousins, but we were talking about Jamie Kilstein. Uh, funny story, Jamie is actually the uncle of one of my students in my kids' class. And we get into that and what it was like co-teaching a class and then being forced to fight each other to the death. We get into a lot of different things on this episode. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. But without further ado, here's the episode. You know, you can- All right. I think we are good. Cool. All right. So how are you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm avoiding, uh, I'm avoiding panic and, uh, I'm trying to convince myself to stay healthy when jujitsu isn't, uh, the only motivating factor of being healthy. Like I was never an athlete until I did jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Like I failed out of gym class. <laughs> like legitimately failed 
gym class in high school, um, which, by the way, if anyone wants to know how to fail gym class, you get stoned every day and pretend you forgot your shorts. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. And then I found jujitsu, and I was like, because I love fighting, because I was like, oh, I have to do something or I'm going to fucking die. And then, you know, I was a child of 90s martial arts movies. Uh-huh. And I wanted to do, and, and I, we would watch like VHS, UFCs. And uh, I started jujitsu. It's the reason I got in shape. And then whenever jujitsu is taken away from me, I'm like, I don't know how to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how to, like, I couldn't even get myself to run once lockdown happened until I swear to God, I was watching Lionheart with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And there was a scene where he put on a hoodie to go run. And I was like, yeah, it's fucking cool. I'm gonna go put on a hoodie and run. And then I did it. And I realized like I have to juxtapose, like I still have to pretend to be a fighter to do non-fighter exercises. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. I found um, just the time, every bit of exercise that I do is for jujitsu, right? So everything is about like being able to keep myself on the mat, being able to not waste so much energy so I can get there and train that night. Yep. So it's like very efficient. Well, I keep going into like exercise and I'm like, well, now that 10 minutes is done. Yeah. Um, I have two hours that I would be normally doing jujitsu that I can't do it right now. Yeah. I mean, it's literally what kept me in shape where like I have to watch my diet more. I have to. And it, it just it hit a road. Cause I was like, I'm not going to sit in my fucking place and do like hip escapes. Uh, my friend <laughs> drew who runs because jitsu, who I co-host my podcast with, he was like, warmups are the things everybody avoids doing. And now it's all we can do. It's like, we're uh -huh. being like punished by the jujitsu gods. <laughs> um, and like, so, but even pushups and stuff, I was like, yo, just do like a body weight exercise. And I'm like, I don't give a shit i yeah. don't give a shit until i just spent a weekend because i ordered healthy food but it took a while to come so i was like i'll just treat myself and i ordered like pizza and some bullshit and i felt i ate so much and felt so fucking sick that if i don't have some kind of check like corona will give me diabetes like i'm not worried about <laughs> corona <laughs> I'm worried about like going into the hospital with like cholesterol issues before I turn 40. I, I, I get that. So what did you, what kind of pizza did you eat? Just plain, man. I'm a vegetarian. I like veggie stuff, but I was like, no, there's, I just want, oh no, I ordered a pizza and I ordered cheesy bread, which is a different version of pizza. And I ate both of them by myself in one sitting because Addicts are really good at rationalizing shit. So I was like, well, I want to be healthy tomorrow, which means I can't have leftovers, which means I have to eat it all now. And so I ate a medium pizza and a box of cheesy bread, which is designed for definitely more than one person, possibly three people. Um, and I ate it. And then like when I felt sick and full, I was like, I should stop eating. And then I was like, oh, I'll just smoke weed. So I get hungry. And then I'll eat the rest, which is, that's what they do at, uh, I had this guy, Rob Wolf on my podcast and he's this health expert. Uh, I think he's like a number one bestseller, but he's like a big paleo guy and he's a jiu-jitsu guy too. And, um, he was telling me that at hot dog eating contests, sometimes guys will get so full, they're about to throw up. And instead of stopping eating, he may have said this on Rogan's too, they'll eat ice cream. Because you can 
essentially trick your palate where if mm-hmm. you eat a different type of food, you go, oh, okay, I feel fine. Um, and then you can move on to the other food. So I did that uh, with weed. And then I ate all the pizza and then I hated myself and then I almost texted my ex and then I fell asleep like on the couch. And then uh, the next day I was like, yep, time to put that hoodie on again. And, uh, and now I'm like, I have to run every day because if I don't run every day, that shit's going to happen. So I'm going to come back to jujitsu with fucking worse hips and knees from running, I assume, because I never ran before. So there's like a trail by me and I just, you know, try to figure but it out. You'll be able to add more pressure if you gain some weight. Right. So you'll be able to. I didn't think know. about that, but I will also uh, be too depressed to go to jujitsu. Like, it's crazy how much nutrition and working out like affects your mental health mm-hmm. where whenever like a doctor's like, uh, you should probably stay off it for a week. Like, cause I tweaked like something and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I don't go into jujitsu, I'm going to fucking kill myself. So isn't that worse? Mm-hmm. Uh, where like, it really does. I mean, the hardest part right now, I think for everybody listening to the show is like, how do we keep that athlete mentality? Cause a lot of jujitsu guys, I mean, even me, it's like, I'm a Marcelo Brown belt. I coached at Henzo's and I make a living with a jujitsu podcast. And if someone called me an athlete, I'd be like, Ugh. like <laughs> I, I think a lot of jujitsu guys, like we were nerds or stoners or whatever. There's probably a lot of overlap with surfers where I still have a hard time considering myself an athlete. So when jujitsu is removed, I go, Oh, I guess we derail now. You know, I'm mm-hmm. listening to more comedy podcasts and they're all fucking smoking and drinking. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> and I just get so fucking depressed where the challenge right now is like, how do we keep that athlete mentality with like what we eat, uh, how we're taking care of ourselves, you know, mindfulness, all this stuff. When the thing we love doing, the reason we do it is removed like mm-hmm. isn't there and that's kind of the fucking challenge right now mm-hmm. well in in jujitsu too the the better you get at jujitsu a lot of times the less of an athlete you can become right you know you it's pretty easy it's really easy to just go in and be like oh man well now i don't have to train hard because i am good enough at jujitsu that i don't have to be right. strong i don't have to be explosive Right. That's a great fucking point. I'm small. You, because we've met, uh, you are in much better shape than me. And (laughs) I'm still small enough that I have to continue to stay on my toes. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, even when I get a black belt, I'll be the black belt. All the purple belts are trying to fucking murder because I'm smaller than them. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I still have to kind of stay on my toes. But I do know that feeling. I mean, dude, have you ever rolled with a black belt who's so good that you don't even get a workout. Like when I rolled with Marcelo all the time, I would be tired because Marcelo, he'll, he'll play with you like an animal mm-hmm. with his food and he'll let you move around. And the rounds were always very fast. But I've rolled with some black belts where they're just on my back for six minutes and I'm just kind of trying to do this. And I'm like, well, I'm not tired, but I'm not tired because I literally couldn't move. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was nothing that either of us, like, I couldn't do anything. See, I've rolled with black belts that I should experience that with, but my mind 
in those situations has always said, hey, maybe if you tried to be stronger and more explosive and uh, really wear yourself out, that might win you the the round. And so then it just, yeah, so then it ends up being worse for me, you know? Yeah, oh, you just fucking flail like the the car lot Gumby thing. Maybe if I were to bench press this guy, you know, when he's on my back, maybe that would be the most logical thing for me to do here. Isn't that funny when you catch yourself like, you know, you've been training for a long time, you're a black belt, and you catch yourself doing some, like, blue belt shit out of panic, where Mm -hmm. you're just like, did I just fucking do that? And, like, and your brain, you're experienced enough to know what you just did was some bullshit, but you're still, like, as it's happening, you're in disbelief. The black belt in you is just like, what did we just try to do there? It's so... For me, this actually happened three weeks ago. I have this ankle lock that I've been doing a ton and um, just a little bit different. And it kind of it puts your knee in a different spot, makes it much harder for people to defend in the normal traditional way you would defend an ankle lock. And so what happens is it causes people to roll away from it and belly down. And that's the last thing you want to do in an ankle lock because then you're in a belly down ankle lock. Right. And so um I always have been, you know, doing it a lot lately. So a lot of my students are doing it. Well, one of them, I was wrong with one of my blue belts and I kind of let guys get deep in stuff and then talk trash, you know, like a black belt should and be like, oh, you don't even know how to finish this. Well, um, (laughs) my blue belt Christian got it perfect. He had it. What did I do? Exactly what I told them not to. I like, hey, you've got to beat the foot. You don't belly down because then you're in a belly down ankle lock. Of course, I was like, oh gosh, this hurts. Maybe I should Freak belly out. down. Oh and, my um, god! Of course, I bellied down. I ended up getting out of it just because I think he didn't expect me to belly down, so he kind of lost it there. And I was like, I, yeah, I was like, I made the complete wrong move. I, I like, and as soon as it got down, I was like, yep, I always, I did exactly what I yell at you for that- doing is so fucking funny by the way the t- that reminded me the two times i've gone unconscious not even in tournaments they were it was like right after i got my purple belt and i thought i could start doing what you just described you do as a black belt which is uh and it was right when like uh like i was like i was gonna keep it playful or whatever and i was rolling with this one guy who I just, again, would just, like, steamroll every day. So I just let him get, like, I I let him get my back, which that's fine. But then I let him get, like, a bow and arrow pretty (laughs) fucking deep. And I just wake up remembering everybody surrounding me and me being like, oh, motherfucker, not only did this guy tap me, but now everybody had to run over. But the worst version of that was we were doing this drill at Marcello's where he had them start with a bow and arrow and I was with, and you know, I did rounds with some brown belts. I roll great with like world champion black belts and stuff. Cause there's no pressure on me. Mm-hmm. So I can be really relaxed and flowy and whatever. And, but if I have like a big purple belt, who's an asshole, that's <laughs> when I start to make these dumbass mistakes. But so this guy was a white belt. And so I go, oh, I'm a fucking purple belt. I'm going to I'm gonna let him get it in a little deeper. Uh, and as he's getting it in, the bell starts. And I was like, all right, I'm just, this is weird. That's weird that I can't. And what I didn't know is he is a black belt in judo. And so I let this guy with 
infinitely better grip strength than I do. Uh, get super deep. Next thing, everybody is once again around me. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, I went unconscious both those fucking times. So when I started training, I was uh, 14 and I, we were at an MMA school. Um, it's actually Matt Hughes's gym. And um, oh. that was where we started training at. And one of my buddies who was about my age, maybe he was a year older than me, 15, weighed like 120 pounds. Um, uh, everybody called him McLovin because that was his okay. body type. Well, one of the guys was an MMA fighter um, who's, I will not name, but, um, you know, Pat fought. Huh? Pat Militage. No, 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 it wasn't him. It wasn't him, <laughs> but uh, he fought, uh, fought on the Ultimate Fighter. He didn't make it on. He fought to get into the Ultimate Fighter, didn't make oh. it on. But a uh, really big, strong athlete, and he's probably at, like 200 pounds at the time. And um, Justin, my buddy, is 120, and he would always just mess with Justin, make fun of him, as you should anyone who is smaller than you, right? Sure. And um, this that's guy a, was also— natural pecking order of things. Yeah, that's how you should treat people. But um, <laughs> so this guy, he was a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Justin was a blue belt, and he always would say, oh, I'm going to put on my gi one day, and I'm going to beat you down. And so Justin was like, hey, you should. You know, you should put on your gi. And the guy's like, yeah, he's like, you can start anywhere you want. And Justin goes, well, can I start on your back? And he's like, yeah, sure. So oh he starts God. on his back, and he goes, well— you know, he goes, Justin goes, can I start with this grip? And he grabs a cross lapel grip, like for a bow and arrow. And the guy's like, yeah, sure. And they say, go, he goes right into a bow and arrow choke. This is great. This, this guy fights it for like five, six seconds. And I go, Justin, I think he's out. And Justin was kind of like, well, let me just make sure, you know, he's been terrorizing me for a long time. <laughs> and, um, you know, a, a few seconds later, he lets go. This dude's dead. Whoa. The dude wakes up like in a, just a, a huge explosive fit, Ooh. jumped yeah. up top of Justin like he was passing his guard and then like looked around and didn't understand what was going on, ran out of the matted area and then fell onto like into the chair of uh, the fly machine, like where there was workout equipment and woke up on the fly machine was like had no idea what happened. He and made that motherfucker teleport. <laughs> He did. And dude was doing the thriller the whole time that oh. he was falling out of the cage. It was amazing. That, it was a that's great. Like, that's a, that's the heroic version of my story. That's <laughs> the good guy. Yeah. That's incredible. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. The good guy won. So it was, that was a, uh, that was a really fun, um, experience to get to watch and then to not have any fear that this guy was going to kill you later too. Cause I just got to watch it happen. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Have you ever done that? Where you fucking catch, like I've caught a couple UFC guys, I've caught uh, way bigger black belts, and you have that moment where you're so happy, immediately followed by, are they gonna try to fucking kill me? And like mm -hmm. looking at the clock, and uh, oh, it's a nightmare. It's it's so scary. You can't even enjoy it because uh -huh. you're just like, I guess I die. And then I got injured a couple times. Because, like, when that would happen, I would go, okay, they look pissed, so I'm just going to go, like, lighter and just chill out and let them get their ego, you know, evened out. <laughs> and and I got injured a couple times that way because I realized, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's this weird balance where because, because I was smaller, and I was even smaller back then, I was like 140, 140. Um, it's almost like I kind of got to go harder or else I'm going to get 
hurt. Mm-hmm. Not harder like strengthy or spazzy, but if I am totally lackadaisical or like nihilistic uh, in my rolling, like I could actually get fucking injured if I'm going with some big dummy. You know, it's like kind of finding that balance of like, okay, I want to flow and I want to be relaxed. You know, like my favorite guys to watch are like Ryan Hall and Glover and Huron, who's Huron's huge. I've rolled with Huron, but <laughs> but he he's really flowy. Um, but at the same time, you got to like be careful. Too. Mm-hmm. You you really do, and that's I think just something about jujitsu in general is really even with even if you tap quick enough, there are guys that you roll with all the time, like every day, that could crush you if they really wanted to. I mean, they could kill you if yeah. they really wanted to. And yeah. so it's it's a really interesting thing of like putting your life in somebody's hands by slapping and bumping <laughs> with them. You know, I know that's all we have to do. Yeah, a slap <laughs> and a bump is essentially our verbal contract. That I could end up in the hospital and like it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hey, this guy signed a waiver. You know, I can't even I can't even sue the owner of the gym because of this. No, I mean that's one of you know I did this seminar uh, at the Tenth Planet in New York uh, before all this shit happened, and I ended up staying after for at least an hour talking to people about mental health, and all I really said was. When you, a lot of us use jujitsu to balance out the craziness that's happening in our head or in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the majority of people, because it's a new school. So it was like, you know, 30 white belts and like a couple blue belts. And you hit a phase, white belt, blue belt, you know, usually it's mid blue belt, where you start to get pissed off. And you start to go to jujitsu and you're hitting the mat and you're not progressing or some new wrestler tapped you out and you start to resent the thing that is there to fix us. That's our mental health. It would be like if you went to church and the Bible wasn't there and you were like, oh, it's fucking this bullshit. Um, You know, like you're getting frustrated at this thing that's supposed to uh, help you. So. It's figuring out that balance of like, how do I still keep this, um, my safe place? You know what I mean? Like I want to challenge myself and I want to push myself, but I also every day that I walk in and I think a lot of us are going to realize that when we come back is also sort of like honoring how special this is because the reason I thought of that is what I told them is I was like, even the days where you get your ass kicked the entire time, you are still braver than 99%. People's biggest fear, it's public speaking and it's physical confrontation for the most mm-hmm. part. And so by showing up to a weird little ratty ass place where you are signing a waiver and putting on a dumb outfit and a stupid white belt as a fucking grown up to give permission to strangers to fight you voluntarily. You already kind of like win, dude, you already did the cool thing. You already did the brave thing. And so when we start to get mad at ourselves or frustrated, I think a lot of people forget how insane and how cool it is that we are that just by signing up, we're kind of more badass than the majority of people you see walking down the street, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Dude, I always I always look at that from especially from a competitive standpoint too. Anytime I have students that are getting ready to compete, you know, everybody's nervous when they go to compete. Oh and um, yeah, so they're getting ready to compete. And I always will tell them like, look, no matter what the outcome is, you're going to go to work on Monday morning and nobody else got to experience what you got to experience. Yeah. That's a win in itself. You know what I mean? Like old lady Kronyats who sits at the cu- cubicle next to you. She didn't She didn't go fight somebody this weekend. Fucking you know? goddamn old lady Kronyats. I think about her often. Uh, <laughs> always passing judgment at the water cooler. Yeah, dude, you're totally right. And like, you know, when you said that, when you said go back to work Monday, I used to think about that because I had a phase um, where I couldn't train at like the the bigger class of Marcelo. So I was going into the early morning class, which was like 7 a.m. And there was something so to be a total cliche guy fight club about the subway ride home where I'm going back into Brooklyn after fighting men and I'm still, even though I showered, there's still like new sweat (laughs) and I see everybody in their business suits going the opposite direction. And you would feel like, yeah, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I I just did something crazy. Like the sun just came up and I was just like fighting dudes. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's so cool. And I think that's, you know, so it, (laughs) Again, you, especially for competitors, it's like you have to be hard on yourself, not hard on yourself. You have to be critical and always want to improve. But if you stop having fun, you're kind of fucked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that is, you know, that is it's hard to find that balance. And that's actually something that um, I wanted to ask you about. You know, you're a comedian, you're a writer, you're a podcaster, you Obviously, you're a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh, you post all kinds of great jiu-jitsu material on YouTube and Instagram. Yeah, that's um, awesome. I'm glad you yeah. like And so it's good stuff. And so, um, you know, and, and so a lot of it, and pretty much all of it is like creative stuff, right? And so how do you, in jiu-jitsu, do you find yourself wanting to be really creative all the time? Or is that something, is that a place where you're not feeling like you need to be creative? That's a great question. Um, that's really I'm full of question. them. Yeah. yeah uh, that's yeah, the only yeah. one I have, actually. That's the end of the podcast. I, I know. I just I just realized we did a half an hour, and I was like, oh, yeah, we haven't had any questions. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts on that. First of all, every time I hear what I do in list form, I just want to apologize to my father. Um, <laughs> I also, at one point, tried to be a professional wrestler. I swear to God. Um, I like, actually have literally two questions down. We're going to get into pro wrestling. Amazing. Great. Uh, and so, uh, uh, I just had, uh, Ron Funches, who's this amazing comedian podcaster on my podcast, uh, the other day. And we both tried to be when he was on, he was on this sitcom. I think he was on Whitney coming sitcom. Uh, he was like 300 pounds and he lost a bunch of weight obsessed with professional wrestling. And both of us actually in our thirties went to a wrestling school to be like, yeah, fuck it. We're in our thirties and comedians and totally unhealthy. Let's do this. Um, so anyway, so in the beginning, I feel like, and this is the advice I would give to comedians too. It's like you get people who want to start stand up because they're the funny guy and they're like, Oh, just go up and riff. And I'm like, you are in for a world of hurt Mm -hmm. um, and are going to bomb so aggressively. 
uh, or podcasting. Like I get really excited to give people podcasting advice. Uh, unfortunately, most of my podcasting advice is like very, um, uh, it's like kind of hippie shit. It's like <laughs> conceptual. It's all about finding yourself. And they're like, cool. How do we get advertisers? And I'm like, <laughs> you're thinking about it wrong. You're already wrong. Um, because people are like, well, I just want to like sit around and like get high. Like Joe Rogan does with like my friends. And it's like, well, right. But Joe Rogan is Joe Rogan and his friends are his friends. Mm -hmm. And like, you have to do what makes you different and what makes you, uh, you. And so, but at the same time, you have to learn some form of structure. So when I went into jujitsu, I started late. I started when I was like 28. Uh, no, that's not true. I, I trained when I was like from 17 to 21, then stopped, started seriously training like twice a day when I was like 28. Um, and so for me, starting late was kind of cool because, and, and this will circle to your question, I swear to God, um, I had been beaten down enough by life to be humble. So I kind of walked into the gym and I was like, well, I'm not as athletic as like these 19 year olds who like flew from Brazil to train with Marcelo and support their family and like sleep on the mats in between classes. Um, but what I can do is I can try to be a little smarter, a little more savvy. And the main thing I can do is what I, I mean, if I kept going, I probably would have gotten my black belt when I was like 25 ish. And I probably would have been worse as a black belt than I am now um, because since I started late, I was like, let's pay more attention. Let's ask more questions. Let's not try to show off as much. Um, let's not get as fucking mad when someone taps us out as a lot of these young guys who are like fucking hungry uh, do. And I think that's why I progressed the way I progressed. Um, However, once I got my purple belt, which is when everyone says, like, you start developing a game, blue belt, my white belt never tapped anyone. Literally didn't tap anybody until I got my blue belt, um, which is very humbling. Blue belt, abject panic. Don't want to get my blue belt taken away from me because I finally got a blue belt. Purple belt chilled the fuck out and started figuring out what my game was. And because... I have a very weird creative brain. That's when I started to make my game very cool. Um, and that's when I feel like the creativity really helped me. What I would say for people, you know, who are kind of creative brained, you know, when you're a white belt, I'm sure you have plenty of students who you're like, we're going to teach you how to escape from Mount. And they're like, but I just saw a flying bear and bolo. I want to learn that. And you're mm -hmm. like, you have to learn the basics to make the creative stuff work and to make the creative stuff better. So like my game is based around, uh, the guillotine. I'll just hit it from every weird places. Um, when I tried to start developing that as a blue belt, I just got my back taken all the time, or I would just, it would put me in more trouble. I was the guy holding onto a guillotine when they were in fucking side control. Mm -hmm. Um, through trial and error, through creativity, through being weird, through my brain working in weird ways, I developed this really dope game. Also training with Marcelo, um, I developed developed a really cool uh, uh, guillotine game. And so I think the creativity really helped me. 
if I did not have that foundation, like when I was trying it as a blue belt, it kind of led to disaster. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I was just watching this Jimi Hendrix documentary and he said, music is half reality, half fantasy. And I think that can be applied really beautifully to jujitsu where it's like half reality fundamentals. How do I hold people? How do I escape? Uh, When do I need to fucking abandon ship? And then half fantasy, you know, that guy's across the map, but I bet I can like dive for an ankle lock. And then when he goes to defend it, I can leap over his body to a guillotine. And like, if you have sound fundamentals and confidence, like, yeah, fuck yeah, you can make that work. Mm-hmm. And that's, man, that's so true. And that's so important pretty much in any type um, of innovation, right? You couldn't, if you were an architect, you couldn't innovate on building a house until you knew how to build a house. Right. Right. And so yeah, I think- yeah. like you look at like Franklin Lloyd Weber's shit and it looks really dope, but it's like, he has to take some one-on-one classes first or else <laughs> structurally, it would be like, oh, that looks cool. And then a family would move in and then they would all die because the house would crumble on them like the fucking Wizard of Oz. Exactly. And so that's like that's my biggest thing. Like anytime I get the chance to, you know, sometimes people just start class and they just start in whatever class is being taught. But if I ever get the chance with someone is who is new um, to like start teaching them, I always say, look, we'll, we'll start teaching you bottom side control. Like I know it doesn't make a lot of sense right now. But the truth it. is, this is where you're going to be at for most of your jujitsu for the next six months, right? I, I I teach the trap and roll is the first thing I always teach them because it's like it's yours makes more sense uh, from you're right. They're going to be inside control probably more than mounted. But I like I like trap and roll because it's uh, uh a bad position they're going to be in a lot. And it's also like a little bit of magic where they go, Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like that cool, like, Holy shit. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, exact same concept because like, and also you just, you know, one of the things I tell people when they're new is like kind of similar to what I was talking about before, like embrace getting your ass kicked because even from a self-defense point of view, the days you're getting your ass kicked, you're still training your body to not panic when a stranger grabs you. And mm-hmm. when you're out in the street, you know, and I, I I would say this when I would teach Muay Thai too, like just not turning your back when someone's throwing punches, even though you're getting your ass kicked by pro fighters in here, you're, you're, a, you're a step ahead of people on the street because most mm-hmm. people, when they're grabbed, they'll do something fucking stupid. Or if someone's throwing shots, they'll turn their back or they'll literally end up fucking fetal. Um, and so even the days you get your ass kicked, just like being okay with that. And that's probably something else that helped from comedy too, where like I have bombed enough, um, to, you know, be a little humble on the mats. And then conversely, um, I have fought enough terrifying people to not give a fuck on stage because like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to attack me. Like, mm-hmm. all right, that's cool too. You know, like they kind of balance each other out. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you had said your favorite thing to teach is the trap and roll. And yeah. so I figured now would be the perfect time to say how you and I met, which was, oh um, your, your nephew trains at my gym. He and, sure does. Uh, yeah. And so he, I believe he just turned six is that I know Dude, I freeze frame because I have five siblings or I'm one of five and then two nephews. I freeze frame 
Like my brother now, who just turned 30, he's always 16 to me. Uh, <laughs> Koa, my little nephew, he's always two, but I guess a two-year-old couldn't do jiu-jitsu. So yeah, you're probably right. He's probably around six. He's okay, adorable. I think, <laughs> he's adorable. I think he is. And so there was just something though. Um, you know, you taught you taught a a kids class for us, and um, that was uh, you showed you showed trap and roll, right? Do you remember uh, when my sister had his fucking fight in front of a bunch yeah, of people? Yeah, what was like a lunatic? What was that about? That was her being my set. That was her being uh, an insane person where <laughs> J- Josh and I uh, taught a wonderful, we like co-taught a class together in true jujitsu spirit. Uh, no competition, not coming together. And all the parents are like set up watching in chairs. And my sister just goes, uh, you know what everybody really wants to see? And I was like, who the fuck's talking? Uh, <laughs> and like, why don't you guys fight? And I was like, that's, not what anybody wants to see. Yeah. It's certainly not what I want to do. Uh, and then we had to like do like a minute long round <laughs> in front of people. And I was like the whole time. And you probably did this too. I'm just like, I don't know what the etiquette is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, if we seriously start going a thousand percent and fighting, it's not going to be fun for anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be super awkward. And yeah, it was, Easily the most uncomfortable I've been in a jujitsu setting. <laughs> I just when Eddie Bravo very high tried to get me to do stand up in front of his class instead of paying a mat fee, and I was just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill myself. I can't do it. <laughs> Can I just pay the mat fee? <laughs> I was just him. Let me pay the mat fee. Let me pay the mat fee. So... He's like, you got to in jokes, and I was like, this is my nightmare. <laughs> so, um. That is, yeah, that's a really weird thing that happens with this, this totally off top of where I want to go, but that is a really weird thing that happens with comedians that you are just expected to have jokes on hand. Nobody comes up to me and says, show me some jujitsu. Right. right totally. Yeah. I'm, uh, and I'm also like, I'm not that funny in real life. Like, uh, <laughs> and I was, I remember I was trying, I mean, this is before Eddie and I became friends. Like. Joe called him up and was like, Hey, my buddy's in town. This is forever ago. Um, you know, can he come train? And, uh, and Eddie, this is pre parent Eddie. So he was a little more reckless, I believe. And, uh, he, uh, yeah. When he, he was like, yeah, paying jokes, man, you got to pay in jokes. I was like, this is, but I tried to like logically explain that to him. I was like, my jokes are very long winded and they're a little (laughs) alienating and like, nobody wants to hear them. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like the drunk uncle. I mean, Eddie knows so much about comedy. He was just fucking with me. But yeah, when you get that uncle, I mean, what's even funnier is when they try to, I think what people still think that comedy is like what it was in the vaudeville days when like I've had drunk people come up to me and they're like, hey, I got one for you. And you're like, oh, I kind of just I do my own stuff. And they're like, no, 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 no. I got one for you. All right, so like a Mexican, and you're like, no, nope. <laughs> it's, it's like these like joke book jokes that are always her- horrific, um, and I think a lot of people think that's what comedy is, and you want to sit them down. You're like, no, 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 we're all very sad, tortured people, and this is like, I always tell people I'm a writer. Like if I'm in a taxi and they ask what I'm doing, I say writer, which still leads to some bullshit. Like, what do you write? And I'm like, ah, kind of weird stuff. But they're not going to be like, yeah, recite me a passage. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas if you say jokes, and then you look like an asshole for not saying jokes. But yeah, a total nightmare. But I guess my sister finally did do it. Show me some jujitsu. She had us fight. So it uh, it worked. 
that was yeah that was some like um you guys we're we're third graders and your sister's in eighth grade and she's like okay yeah we're having a fight club in the the backyard after we got done playing tea party and you guys fight each other yeah just but it was so funny and all (laughs) the parents were there and she did it again lovingly um but i was like uh one day we have to roll for real because i was like this is my this is this is second uh, minus Eddie Bravo trying to get me material. I will say she loves you so much and speaks so highly. And Koa is so obsessed with jujitsu now. And I think if he went to, I was like really excited for him to want to start jujitsu and talk to him about it. And then, but I was also very nervous about like, where is he going to train? Is there going to be a mm-hmm. good school? Because, you know, a lot of jujitsu MMA places can really turn people off. Um, and the second I met you, dude, I was like, oh, we're so good. But yeah, he had me like send him a video of like a drill to practice at home while they're like locked down. Like he's just up, he's wearing his little rash guard. He's like, he's obsessed with it. And so, yeah. And so he just seems to really love it. He's a really, really nice kid. But um, here's what I wanted to bring up with you. Yes, please. You know, with, with the pandemic. Um, I was going through some Facebook photos. Okay. Yeah. And so anytime you take a jujitsu photo with a kid's class, it's the same as when you take it with the adult class. You all stand at that, you know, against the wall where you're covering yeah. up the logo so no one can see it. Yeah. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. We're panicking. Do we shock or do we yeah. fist? Exactly. And then everybody, no matter what, whoever is holding the camera, and generally it is your sister that's holding the camera, they yeah. always say the same thing. Let's do a funny one. Mm. And um, so I looked at this was definitely three different ones that I found, but I'm guessing with even more every time that your um, your nephew is in a funny one, his hand goes directly to my throat. And that is that is his funny one. And so I wasn't sure how you could bring that up at the next family gathering. Yeah. 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 D- about how violence isn't necessarily hilarious. Is that yes. what you're going yes. for? And so, yeah. Is it like, I don't know where um, the disconnect is, but why is funny one um, Adam's apple grab on your coach? I just... Why is it so dark? Yeah. 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 Like yeah. If we're like uh, Koa, make a funny face. And he like gets a pen and paper and presents you with like an eviction notice. And you're like, this isn't, <laughs> this is psychological torture this isn't funny at all and he's like no it's funny because you're gonna be homeless and you're gonna shut down isn't that hilarious because i'm six or two uh yeah well so to go back to your comedy point about not wanting to be funny every time if you see me in a funny face picture with a group uh or a class i'm borderline scowling because i'm like i don't i don't do funny I don't uh-huh. want to. Do, I don't want to do a funny face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I, like sometimes I'll do like rock and roll, like stick my tongue out, and that's as far as it goes. But I will almost never do something funny on cue. It's like a insane defense. It's not. It's not me being pretentious. I'm like I love funny face pictures. I'm like oh look how sweet everybody's being and they're connected and camaraderie. Something in my brain. I can't, it, it's horrible. Guys, comics are a sad people is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Everybody, I'm, I'm really sad right now. So, okay, so um, we, uh, we'll, we'll change pace a little bit. We've already brought it up a little bit, um, but uh, because I really wanted to get to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what caused you to try to become a pro wrestler? Okay, so... I did, I grew up 
in like the Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart heyday of uh, pro wrestling, Steve Austin, all that stuff. And not only that, but like wrestling was, I think because I didn't really have, sometimes when you don't have access to something, uh, it becomes more sacred almost. Mm -hmm. For example, I'm codependent in relationships because I didn't uh, kiss a girl till I was 18. So now (laughs) anytime I I get the chance, I've told one night stands I love them. Because they're so beautiful. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the only chance I have. I have to keep keep this forever. And so with pro wrestling, we could never afford the pay-per-views. So we would watch back in the day for you youngins. Uh, they would have they would be scrambled on TV. There was no mm-hmm. WWE network. They were like $60. And you could hear the commentary, though, through the scramble. And not only that, but my dad didn't want me and my brother watching wrestling. So me and my brother bonded before we bonded over jujitsu we bonded over pro wrestling and we would we would sneak into the basement and we would put a blanket over the tv and we would huddle and we would watch blurred out (laughs) pay-per-views uh so it was like everything to us i mean i hitchhiked to meet mick foley i got like i was just obsessed with it and then I started getting girlfriends and I pretended I didn't like it and I stopped watching. So I didn't watch during the whole like John Cena phase, which I kind of, from what I've seen, I stand by. <laughs> and, um, and then I just became a couple like really cool WWE wrestlers became like fans of mine through like stand up or, or, or whatever. And, you know, I would start talking to them on Twitter. Like we would start DMing, And I was like, God, I still love wrestling. I started watching wrestling again like two years ago. And I was also like, I guess I'm kind of an athlete now because of jujitsu. And this is when I was in L.A. And I was like, I'm going to try wrestling. And so I did. I mean, here was the this is kind of the nerdy answer, which is when I dedicate myself to jujitsu fully. I'm always the healthiest. But I'm not creating, you know, (laughs) like there's the creativity we talked about on the mat, but I'm not like performing, I guess. But when I go full creativity and I had to catch myself during this fucking quarantine, like I'm very easily influenced. So like I remember I did a show at the comedy store and it was everybody cool, man. It was fucking Joey Diaz and Russell Peters and Rogan and we're all hanging out. And suddenly I was like. You know, and I was mainly doing jujitsu at this point. And then suddenly I started drinking again and like smoking because I just wanted to be I wanted to be cool. Like Mm -hmm. that same high school peer pressure and not peer pressure because they 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 didn't uh, uh, self-imposed peer pressure. And so I had this kind of thought where I'm like professional wrestling is kind of this beautiful balance. So like. I accidentally started taking the pro classes with this guy named Brian Kendrick and uh, who's still in the WWE. He's great and amazing. And um, I didn't know it was the pro class uh, until suddenly I was put into a match and I didn't know what to do. And all these terrifying things were happening to me. And I just went with it because I'm like a performer. And then afterwards, someone told him it was my first class and the whole class stopped and was like, you should not have done 
any of that. Uh, and then they all started clapping and cheering. And he was like, yeah, just keep coming back. Like, it's cool. Uh, it was awesome. And But what I loved about it is, so I show up. And it's just all of these huge, like huge by jujitsu comparison. It's just huge guys and hot girls. And I'm like, oh, I do not belong. (laughs) Like no part of this uh, cries out Jamie Kilstein. Um, And I was really nervous and kind of intimidated. No part of me is like, but I can beat up all of these people. Like, I'm just like, I felt like the nerd again. And the first thing you do even in this pro classes, you all line up and one at a time you get in the ring and you just do forward rolls across, you know, one rope, one rope, just forward rolls. And the first guy does it. And suddenly everyone starts clapping and they're sincerely clapping. Like they're cheering for forward rolls. These are people who can dive out of the ring, who do dope stuff. And I realized I'm like, right, you guys are all theater dorks. And I say that with nothing but love. And like pro wrestling, what was so beautiful about it is it was this combination of health and being an athlete, but also like, yo, we're putting on tights and we're pretending to fight and, and and we're trying to be funny and we're trying to be weird and we're trying to, you know, and so I kind of thought, cause I've had an identity crisis for like 20 fucking years. I kind of thought it was actually going to be the thing that saved me where I'm like, Oh, it's a way to be weird and creative and also keep myself in check and stay healthy and mentally disciplined. You know, cause the thing with comedy, man, it wasn't until I started doing jujitsu that I was around people that would talk about things like positive self-talk or visualization or not fucking hating yourself. Um, because I was never around athletes. I was only around comedians and in comedy self-hatred is really like a commodity. Like, you know, you're always bitching and you're always shitting on people and shitting on things. And so like, I really needed to be around positive people, which is why jujitsu was so great. And like, look, it's really cool that Rogan does what he does now. Like that is a really important part of the comedy community where it's about lifting each other up. And like, he talks about health and jujitsu and like, I'm so glad we have that, but I started in New York and we did not have that. Um, by any means, it was just like the more of a train wreck you were, the more kind of revered you were. So that's, what's cool about doing this jujitsu podcast with drew now is I feel like I can be creative and weird and funny while jujitsu is still a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you know, rear naked radio kind of ended up being my pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was kind of what I was searching for is like, how can I still perform and, uh, but also stay healthy and keep jujitsu a big part of my life. Cause you know, you're going on the road and shit and you tell yourself you're going to find jujitsu gyms in every city. But like, you like I've tra- I've trained around the world, man. Like I've I've rolled with Hodger and Cobrinha and Marcel, like the best people on the fucking planet. Uh, but you go to a lot of weird towns and you're tired and you're doing shows and you're out late the night before. I will always train on a Thursday, telling myself that I will continue to train Friday and Saturday. And then like those shows come around and you're like, uh, uh, and kind of beaten down. So I don't know. One day, one day I'm still going to get in the pro wrestling ring. That's still, maybe I'll do commentary. I feel like I'm suited. No, man, you got to go out there and you got to do it. That's still on life goals. 
that is one of the ones that I have to check out off. Did you go through a wrestling phase too? I dude, I um actually that was a big reason for um really being into jujitsu. Um, me too. Yeah, and so it was just it was like this would be a great um this would be a great part of my game oh in my wrestling is yeah. you know doing jujitsu. You know, my mom made me actually try out jujitsu, but I really looked at it once I started. It was like even the first year of training, like this will be great for pro wrestling. Yeah. And, dude. I did the same thing with kickboxing when I was younger where I ended up in the hospital because we had like a backyard wrestling thing and we were going to like send the VHS tape to like Vince McMahon and I took this chair shot and I had to get like 15 staples in my head and I'm gushing blood, but we didn't have like a regular folding chair. We just had this huge, probably hepatitis covered, like <laughs> very heavy stepladder and after the spot, the stepladder fell on my ankle. I thought I broke my ankle. So I'm limping back to the backstage area. And uh, suddenly someone goes, dude, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, my ankle will be fine. And he's like, no, I can see your brain. And uh, like, apparently I was just bashed open so hard. And I was like, oh, that'll look even cooler for the tape. That I'm <laughs> to the WWE. But then when I watched the tape, I literally look like, it doesn't even look like it hit me. I look like I'm like, eh, and like, <laughs> in a way, um, what's crazy is I did some cool jujitsu stuff. I like showed some of the guys who were better than me, some like jujitsu ideas. And my friend, Kyle O'Reilly, who's in NXT, he's trying to, uh, incorporate, he's like, he was like tag team champions. He's trying to incorporate a lot of it. You see him do this like floating neon belly things, uh, which is cool. And, but a lot of real fighting is actually um, sort of counterproductive to wrestling. And so I thought in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm going to look really cool because I know how to actually just keep my fucking hands up uh, and bring my hands back to my face when I throw punches or whatever. But what I learned is the reason they're throwing these big, wide haymakers, these dumb looking punches is because everything has to be big because you're performing for the back of the arena. Mm -hmm. So like if you're tight and doing really technical slips and stuff, like maybe on TV that'll look cool, but like you actually have to do these really over-exaggerated motions. Um, that's why a lot of the jujitsu and a lot of the MMA, at least my theory, is like it looks so, it looks like garbage. And me and you see it and we go, oh, we'll just do it better because we know what we're doing. But a lot of it is like purposefully has to look like garbage. Mm -hmm. But, uh, man, I mean, when I grew up watching those old, like, Sakuraba, or not Sakuraba, Jesus, uh, like, Super Crazy versus Tajiri, or, like, uh, the old, like, Guerrero, uh, Benoit, Malenko, like, all those reversals and shit like that, uh, like, from Japan, I was like, oh, you could do some dope shit with Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> I do still believe that. I will also say this, uh, so you know, it is so much more tiring than you think it's going to be. Uh, and everything hurts. Like when I was a kid, I would fantasize that I'm like, Oh, the ring's going to feel like pillows and the ropes. Well, the ring is like legitimate. It's this, there's uh -huh. just springs under it. So if you happen to land correctly, it doesn't hurt as much. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's number one. Uh, but if you land on your neck or your knee, like everything fucking hurts, but like that, I figured, what I did not figure is the ropes are elevator cable. So <laughs> when you're running the ropes, first of all, you're doing sprints. So when you're running against the ropes, all those back and forth that don't seem that much, they're, they're literal all out sprints. 
But when you start, you have lashes on your back because it is legitimate. Like, they don't just bend back. You have to fucking run at them. And if you watch really closely, if I'm running at the rope, they'll do a, a slight grab to turn themselves into the mm-hmm. rope because you're pulling yourself into that so you can get, like, a big bounce. Um, but it is fucking hard, and that shit hurts, too. Like, it's <laughs> bananas how much everything hurts. I Yeah, man, that's... Um... That's I, I love wrestling a, a ton, and the whole time, everybody that you named, I tried to not be like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. I love, but um, yeah, so I tried to play it cool because in jujitsu, people always make fun of you for watching wrestling, Fuck right? That. Yeah, Fuck and- that. <laughs> did you listen? So, on my podcast, uh, two weeks ago. I had this guy named Sam Roberts and Sam Roberts is like one of the heel commentators for the WWE. Uh, he hosts his show on Sirius with Jim Norton. And um, our whole conversation was about this. It was about just not giving it. He told this story like on his fucking first night in college, all of his friends went out to a frat party to get laid and he got Hulk Hogan's like greatest smashes or something like that on TV. <laughs> and when they were like, we're going to a frat party, he was like, oh great, I can watch Hulkamania or whatever. <laughs> watch that. His 21st fucking birthday. Uh, it was a Monday so he stayed home, watched Monday Night Raw. Best night of his life. Um, you know, his whole studio is just action figures and pro wrestling and he makes a killer living and has an amazing family and our whole, the whole episode kind of ended up being like owning the shit you love, whether it's pro wrestling, whether it's like, he also doesn't drink. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like I've gone back and forth because I, I'm much happier when I'm not drinking, but then sometimes I'll go to comedy clubs and I want to fit in or whatever. And he's like, oh, I just don't give a shit. I just like, he just doesn't care. And I think that's something that a lot of people could learn from where We do this sort of, in comedy I call, it's like ironic detachment, where we're afraid to be passionate about something uh, that could be seen as nerdy. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, oh, I really love Beyonce's Lemonade, or I really love pro wrestling, or whatever. And so you just hold it in, instead of just like being the person that it's like, no, I'm going to own that I love it because it brings me fucking joy. Um, And by the way, any of those jiu-jitsu guys who make fun of you would hobble out of one day of wrestling practice um, because those guys need to be in better shape than we do because uh-huh. they have to be fucking hot. So you're doing sprints against the ropes. Then you're doing burpees. You're, I mean, it is harder than any jujitsu workout I've done. Maybe ever. <laughs> That's really cool. That's really, okay. So back to, back to jujitsu on yeah, the, but, uh, the I oh, suck at jujitsu oh, show. What you love And don't the people who and again, this isn't specific to you because I'm sure it's like your boys just giving you a hard time like you give them a hard time about, uh, you know, whatever. Um, But I will say that, like. Like you'll get people like strangers who make fun of jujitsu and they go, oh, so you just like roll around (laughs) like like a bunch of sweaty guys. And it's like, oh, you're doing that because you're a chicken shit and you're afraid to do that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same with pro wrestling. Anytime you catch yourself making fun of someone who's passionate about something, you have to kind of ask yourself like, oh, is this because I'm not passionate about something? Or is this because I don't have the balls to like admit I love something that may seem silly? Um, but then when you find someone else who loves wrestling, you get to like, experience such joy by being like, Oh, I grew up doing this and like watching this and blah, blah, blah. That's so much more worth it than being embarrassed. Cause like a couple douchebags who don't know what joy feels like, uh, make fun of you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is, that is very true. Yeah. I think, that, I think that's, um, I think that's just something really important to, to keep in mind is like, you know, with jujitsu, I think it doesn't happen as much because we are all jujitsu nerds, right? You know, we come yes. in and we're like, you know, oh man, we just love jujitsu. But you know, as we you know, kind of get, um, as as we just kind of get outside of the jujitsu world, you'll notice that people will always be like, "Whoa, you spend that much of your time." I mean, for me, it's different at this point because I run my own school, right? Of course. And so you know, people like see that as like, "Oh, you're making an income off this." But you know, for my some of my students that are you know. Uh, lawyers and stuff like that that it doesn't make sense for them to other people to do jujitsu yeah one of the most important things i can say to anyone listening right now is like something we are constantly facing the societal pressure to be mediocre and to be miserable and to you know there's no way you can make a living doing something that makes you happy and there's no way you can make a living doing something you love and you know there's there's something called crabs in a bucket where if you have a bucket, a lot of times when one of the crabs goes to escape, all the other crabs, instead of like letting a homie escape and help the rest up, will start to pull back the crab into the bucket. <sighs> and I think we do that oftentimes where we're well and in- people are well intentioned. Are you sure you can make- you want to try comedy? Are you sure you want to make a living doing jujitsu? Isn't that just a hobby? But deep down, they have to ask themselves, am I doing it because, like, I really wanted to be in a band but ended up working at an office and I'm miserable? And if all of us could just, instead of shitting on people who are making a living or trying to make a living accomplishing their dream, if all of us could just figure out, like, yeah, we all deserve to be doing something that makes us happy or something that brings us joy. Or maybe we have a shitty office job that we don't like, but we get to do jujitsu twice a day. We figured out a way to make it work and that's our passion, whatever. Um, but what happens is we're just like bred to believe that you can't make a living with your passion or, or whatever. And then once our opportunity or we think our opportunity is passed to be happy, then we start kind of shitting on everybody else who does get to do that. You know, every successful athlete, Every successful comedian, every had a majority of people, well-intentioned or not well-intentioned, try to talk them out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a scary thing. But, like, man, if you see somebody doing something like that, like, you should support the shit out of them. And if you're getting shit because you want to start a podcast or you want to make jujitsu your livelihood or whatever, you need to step away from those people, at least for a little while, and surround yourself with other dreamers and visionaries and and people who are gonna support you even when shit is really scary you know mm-hmm. dude that is uh that's really good i think that that is something that people can definitely take away um from today's episode is just having fun man doing what you enjoy and yes. whether you make money off of that or not uh, just doing what you love yeah 100 percent. 
Okay, so at this point of the podcast, we're close to the end. I yep. would like to play a game with my guests. Is that okay. okay with you? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the game is called Take It or Leave It. Okay. I'm going to make a statement that right. you can take it, which means you agree with it, okay. or leave it, which means you disagree, and we can discuss it. You know, so, um, you know, for example, I would say, you know, the sky is blue, and you would say, leave it. Leave it. You don't believe that the sky is blue. Sorry, I've been listening to a lot of Eddie Bravo. Take it. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Yo, if the Earth's flat, bro, who knows what's going on out there? That is a. That is true. Okay, so we'll start it out. This All has right. become a hot button topic on the show. Okay. Take it or leave it. Okay. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Take it, you fucking idiots. Yeah. That's what. How the fuck is that even a hot button? Yeah. Dude, I, I'm telling you, you have a uh, a strong three percent of society that hates Christmas, and they think that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And yeah, they're bad well, people. you know what? That's why we're in the trouble we're in right now, and we're all fucking quarantined, is because some people don't use logic and go do dumb shit and spread a <laughs> virus all over the place. Uh, yeah, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's uh, the greatest Christmas movie. Um, it's incredible. Like there are morals to it. Girl's uh, <laughs> journey. It takes place during fucking Christmas. There's Christmas music. You have uh, a jolly old man who, instead of Santa Claus, is a uh, 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 the guy from Family Matters. Uh, <laughs> the Christmas movie. That is that is a good that is a great argument. Maniacs. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So next, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Jamie Kilstein's Epstein choke is the most effective choke for fake suicides. It is for fake suicide specifically. If you have a uh, posse of people who can help you with uh, uh, covering it up. Um, then yes, a hundred percent. Uh, it's the move, dude. I did not think that video would blow up the way it blew up. And I had, I went to a Muay Thai fight, uh, that week and I had strangers coming up to me being like, yo, Epstein choke. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) that will be, that will be what you're known for in the jujitsu world. I've had to start. Uh, when I was rolling, I had to start using it more. It was a once in a blue moon move for me. But when I started searching it, I was getting way more people with it because I'm like, fuck, man, like the guillotine's my game. But I was like, I have a stupid fucking video about this. So I started <laughs> I started hitting people more with it. It's one of my favorite moves uh, in general because the, the person gives it to you and my, and my head and arm choke sucks. But anyway. that's, that's awesome. OK, so next, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Tenth Planet is the best affiliation in jujitsu. What do you mean by affiliation? I mean by like like, at, like in what like are we talking competitors or are we talking no, no, no. just the, what you feel the word best means? Okay, here's what I'll say. I will always be. I mean, I coached at Henzo's, but I will always be a Marcelo guy. There is something so special about him as a person. Um, the way he treats people, his attitude, his love of jujitsu, um, and obviously like his skills. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really fit in as much. I have a ton of friends, uh, under the Henzo affiliation. Um, I didn't fit in as much there. Uh, 10th planet. I do literally nothing from their game. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I like kind of figured out lockdown. I don't do rubber guard. I don't do truck. I don't do anything. However, there is something 
about the vibe of misfits and freaks that I that speaks to me at my core and like in my heart soul where like I've hung out with Geo once um, Boogie did our podcast and I consider them very close friends that I text to check in on them. Like when my cat died, Gio was like the first one who reached out. Um, and like there, I love the, and also I went down to uh, BMAC who runs 10th planet in Alabama uh, school. And he was like, I promoted a black belt that has never played rubber guard. He's like 10th planet is all about creativity. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I interviewed Eddie for rear naked radio, he was saying the same thing. He's like, I just wanted to do shit that people weren't doing and show people things that people didn't have an answer for. And so when it comes to the ethos and 10th planet spiritually and what they stand for, I don't know shit. I've only been friends with 10th planet people for probably six months. Um, and I love, uh, fucking everything they stand for. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So last take it or leave it real quick though. Nine 11 was not an inside job and the earth is round. Okay. Okay. Um, so that was actually going to be my next take it or leave it Great. question. Perfect. So. <laughs> not no. an inside job, not an inside job, but we used it to justify an illegal and a moral role. There's my middle ground. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. So Did I just call war a role. I think I said, I yeah, think I the you said role. War I think you were role. talking about jujitsu again. Great. Um, yeah. Once again, just like, uh, we slap and bumped and that gave us permission. Like we were exactly. talking about. Exactly. That was the slap bump. I, I like it. Okay. So. Here it is. This is the last take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. My heart's racing. This is a good one. Okay. In an IBJJF rule set, Biden beats Bernie. Oh, leave it. Leave look, it. Here's the thing about Bernie. We can all look at him as like, he's so like, he's so idealistic. Um, he, a, a bird landed on the podium once. Like he's a softy. Motherfucker has been going against the Senate forever, was marching in like civil war or sorry, uh, civil rights. Although I would believe civil war, still, uh, civil rights marches. Like he has been on the right slash unpopular side of history for so long that like he would throw down. And to be honest, I think he is waiting for someone to push him. <laughs> and he picture him running across the stage and tackling someone just because he's so fed up right now. I mean, if we look at what's happening with Corona, I don't consider myself a socialist, but the the things he is calling out, even if you disagree with the methods that he wants to fix them, mm-hmm. the billionaires are getting richer. We don't. Our healthcare system is broken. I mean, we are seeing all of that come to fruition right now. Small businesses should not all be shutting down because we have to take a month off. Like we have a broken system and he has been screaming that forever that I think now if someone tries to say our healthcare system is fine, motherfucker would run across the stage and attack you. With that said, I could see Biden uh, like having like a knife in his boot and pulling some like shady shit. But if we're talking IBJJF rules, uh, no knives, 
Uh, I'm going to go Bernie based on heart because Biden is a hacky corporate sellout. He is the chain, uh, the, 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 the chain karate place versus jujitsu where all they care about is like attendance cards and shit. I was going to call out <laughs> specifically, but I didn't want to get you in trouble. So I just said karate instead. Um, Let's say Krav Maga because we can all agree that's stupid. Yeah. Um, so that uh, that is how I feel. So how does he? How does how does uh, Bernie win? Blind rage. Blind uh, rage. Blind rage. <laughs> just just like mounting. Biden goes to turn. Bernie just he- holding his head. Have you ever gone with someone who you get mad at and like when you flatten them out, you just kind of like hold their head against the mat? That. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, that, I, I'm. I'm into it. I'm into it. Because you're a wrestling guy, I can say this. One time, have you ever used a pro wrestling? One time, I got so mad at a bigger blue belt who was going crazy on me when I was injured that I tapped him out with a Boston crab. <laughs> I so so there was a time that I actually hit uh, somebody that was actually pretty good at jujitsu with a figure four. He yeah. went De La Hiva, and um, I had his pant leg. I and I, it. I grabbed the, like I had the daily heave hook pant, like for whatever reason. And it just kind of happened. He was kind of knocking me over as we were falling into that. Love and it. I hit it. It was beautiful. That's, if and, I can uh, get the sharpshooter on someone, that's, that's my goal. Yeah. It's too dangerous for jujitsu though. It I is think. too, that, that, you know what, that's, that's a solid point. Yeah. You know, these, yeah, these, that's what, you know, I have one of my students is one of my, uh, uh, one of my blue belts, he always talks about um, how, you know, hey, man, look at what Brock Lesnar did. He went to the UFC and, you know, he he won. And he always because, you know, people always love to get mad about pro wrestling. He's like he he proved it. He said he proved that, you know, pro wrestling. He goes he couldn't even make it in the WWE. And yeah. you know, he goes to the UFC and he wins. And that shows yep. you know, that the UFC is what's fake. so fucking funny i gotta say wrestling nerds i don't know if it's because we were bullied a lot or just because like we love something so clearly on its face dorky wrestling nerds are some of the fucking funniest most (laughs) creative people you know who's a big and there's a ufc crossover uh ryan loco do you follow him on instagram or twitter Uh -uh. he's like one of the most known photographers who's taken some of the most like iconic pictures in the UFC and stuff like that. But he's a huge wrestling nerd too. And this guy's like good looking dude, hot wife makes a living as an artist. And like, when you get that kind of like confidence mixed with the wrestling nerd, he's one of the funniest fucking human beings uh, on the planet. Yeah. I love wrestling people with all my heart. That's awesome. Okay. So last question. This is always how we finish. Okay. So, the situation is this. I am at a Jamie Kilstein uh, seminar, and okay. I'm a blue belt. I raise my hand at question and answer, and I say, Jamie, how do I suck less at jujitsu? I say, get the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this goes back to what we talked about before, which is how do you find that balance of aggression and chillness? And what I always say is you have to somehow – You have to be like half Woody Allen and half Kanye West, where you have to be critical of yourself and always want to get better while also being confident enough to be like, I'm going to go try some weird shit. You know, Um, you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to. Look at everything as a learning experience, which means the days you get your ass kicked, you pull a Jocko and you say, good, what can I learn from that? 
Um, you have to realize that tapping someone out isn't necessarily a victory, but a victory is like if a black belt arm bars you five times instead of being like, oh, I got to fucking submit him. You go, how about I just get arm barred four times? Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to suck less. I mean, literally, that's what I say to people. You just have to suck less a little less every day. And it's the same mm-hmm. if you want to do comedy. Like, you're going to get your ass kicked for, you know, in comedy, all the like famous comics who we all love, uh, they tell people, and this is what I was told. It was either Louis or David Tellman that told me this. Uh, they're like, it takes eight years to get decent to find <laughs> your. That means you spend eight years fucking being garbage. Um, and you know, jujitsu it doesn't take that long before you at least start seeing something. But mm-hmm. you have to just love it. And here's something Marcelo said in an interview once, and it's the most badass thing anyone's ever said. Where during his, when the most heat was on him, you know, his heyday, uh, some jujitsu magazine was like, what do you have that other people don't have? And this is where other people would say, you know, oh, my speed or like my technique or like whatever. And he goes, I just love jujitsu more than everybody. (laughs) That was him shit talking. Was I Uh just love it more? But there's something so true to that where, like, every time I've been tempted to sell out, I, like, physically can't do it. And every time I go, you know what, this isn't going to make money, but I don't give a shit. I'm just going to do it because it's what I love. I will make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same with your jujitsu game where, like, if you just go because you fucking love it and that means love getting your ass kicked and love, like, the commute after a long day of work, and then, like, you 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 literally cannot lose um but if you start just being all fucking precious about it and being mean to yourself and resenting people at the gym it's like that's how you're gonna suck that is that is a great answer thank you uh so much for being on the show man can i plug my podcast of course Hey, uh, so, uh, Drew and I, because Jitsu, uh, we host Rear Naked Radio. Um, we're trying to do like, we're trying to really build, we have a fucking really cool community and it's awesome because I actually just texted Drew about this. We're like, even though that guy has like 120,000 fucking followers, we, and they're jujitsu people, the people that are attracted to our show are really wonderful and they're not like the sort of shitty uh, jiu-jitsu community who like you know listen to one episode of like uh, a Rogan and now are just like shit talking on Gordon Ryan's page um, they're like really cool and they're really sweet and they help each other um, but also like you know we've had uh, Jake Shields, Carlos Condit Kenny Florian, Huron Gracie, Eddie like I mean it's been pretty fucking crazy for a show that's brand new um so that uh and you don't have to it's free uh so that's rear naked radio and then uh for me with like mental health stuff um i have a podcast called jamie kilstein podcast and uh yeah we interview cool people and uh i talk about this bullshit <laughs> yeah and this probably shouldn't be something that i say on the i suck at jujitsu podcast or the i suck at jujitsu show but rear naked radio is my favorite jujitsu podcast oh uh, is it it really is. I really do enjoy listening to it. I got to say this. I know we got to end. I literally lost my voice. Um, but I want, like, I had, like, there were some people who have podcasts who were, like, kind of, like, less, uh, they were a little shittier to me when I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. And to me, 
like, I'm so glad you asked me to be on this because I was like, all I want to do, like, I'm going to promote when you post this or if you post clips, I'm going to send people to this as much as I would to my show. And it's like, again, when it comes to ego, the reason Rogan is Rogan is because he will have Bert and Segura. And, you know, there are people who vibe more with Bert and just listen to Bert and maybe stop listening to Rogan. Um, but Joe didn't care because he was confident enough to be like, no, I'm going to bring you on and I want to hype you up and I want you to have your own podcast. And so, like, I think we should be doing the same thing. So many jujitsu people don't make money with jujitsu or get fucked over or are getting, you know, taken advantage of by the same shitty sponsorship offers or the same shitty tournaments or the same whatever. Whereas, like, hey, if we actually banded fucking together and we're like, I want people I love to start podcasts and I want their podcast to be successful. Uh, so I love that you said that. I, I was very excited to do this podcast. Um, and yeah, fuck all that competition shit. Thank you, man. Thank you again for being on. It's uh, really cool to have you on. Yeah, this was a blast, dude. Thank you. And that is the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As I said earlier in the podcast, in the very beginning, we are on YouTube now. The I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show is on YouTube. We are going to be posting all kinds of the interviews from the past and all of our new interviews in the future onto our YouTube channel. You can just find that by searching Josh McKinney. And that is where you will find and you will be able to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you can't find it for some reason, because maybe there's a bunch of other more relevant Josh McKinney's out there, just look at my Instagram, the Josh McKinney. I guarantee you on the gram, there are no more relevant Josh McKinney's out there. But uh, on the gram, you should be able to find me and go to my link tree and click on YouTube. And that's where you will find the channel. But if you are somebody that's maybe more of a visual learner and you like to uh, watch people talk, or it's just easier to pull that up onto your smart TVs, pull up YouTube channels. And so that might be a way, a route to listen and watch and i'll also be posting all kinds of different stuff that's why i didn't create a branded channel called the i suck at jujitsu show because i am so much more than just jujitsu at least in my mind um or at least my interests are so much more than just jujitsu but that is what i have for you guys today if you enjoyed this episode as always let me know send me a message i love to hear from you guys. I love to hear different messages and uh, just all your guys' different thoughts and opinions on things. Without further ado, I hope that you guys got something out of this episode and I hope that it made you suck just a little bit less at Jujutsu.